Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley bringing you a great big fiscal event. When is a fiscal event not a budget? When the Independent Office for Budget Responsibility hasn't had a chance to go through the numbers. Luckily, we've been through the numbers for you. Coming up today on our big thing, we ask as many people as we possibly can what they think of Kwasi Kwarteng's big economic gamble. That's coming up in just a moment. First, though, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel on a Friday. It's James Forsyth and Melanie Reid. The Columnists with Formel, James Forsyth and Melanie Reid on Times Radio. Yes, it's Friday, so our columnists are, of course, Melanie Reid. Morning, Melanie. Morning, Matt. And James Forsyth. Morning, James. Morning, Matt. How are you doing? I'm not bad at all. Uh, James, let's start with you then. Your instant sort of gut reaction to what we've just had unveiled by Kwasi Kwarteng. I think Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng are a prime minister and a chancellor in a hurry. They have decided they've got 18 months to two years to get the economy growing uh, or, you know, the next election is gone. And so they are throwing everything at it and not thinking about the kind of political consequences. I think if you were if you if you if you were thinking this in a kind of uh, tactical way, you would say, look, Let's not make the first big event that we do that the public are going to pay full attention to, because obviously the energy price guarantee was overshadowed by the Queen's death. You know, an event in which we cut, that we abolish the 45p rate so that people on 150,000 are now paying the same taxes as people on 51,000 and remove the cap on bankers' bonuses. You wouldn't do that. But their view is the only thing that matters is getting growth going. So they are going, you know, all out for it. Now, I think there are two big risks with this. One, it requires the government continuing to be able to borrow money at the same relatively low rates that it can today. You know, the government's going to have to borrow another £72 billion compared to what it thought it would borrow in April to do this. Remember, at the same time, the Bank of England is doing something called quantitative tightening, which is essentially reversing the quantitative easing. So there's going to be, you are basically betting that international investors have a huge appetite for UK government debt at the moment. And then the second bet is that it will get... um, it will get the economy growing to this 2.5% figure they've outlined by the time in the next election. And, and I think that is, a, that is a big risk. I was talking to one minister who's very sympathetic to what they're trying to do. And he said, look, his worry is that expectations are out of control. That he would rather that the argument was they're doing this to avoid a deep recession. But he worries that you know, by setting this 2.5% target, essentially, if they haven't managed to achieve that by the time of the next election in 2024, which is a very stiff ask, then people will just say, well, it's failed. And I mean, that, that, so I think those are the risks they are running. And I think that, you know, I think the, I think the, the big question is, a lot of this um, uh, is, takes, takes inspiration from what Ronald Reagan did in 1981. And I mean, there are two particular dangers for that. One is that when Reagan did that, 
the uh, federal funds rate in the US was at, I think, 16 or 17%, massively higher interest rates than we have in the UK today. And secondly, because the US has the world's global reserve currency, it can essentially borrow however much it wants to. And I mean, the, 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 this is the risk that they are, that they are running. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Melanie, what did you make of it? Well, I, I, yeah, I, one of, one of the, the key lines, I think, is the markets need to be convinced this is sustainable because that uh, so much will hang on that. And so much will hang on whether, as, as, as James said, whether international investors will continue to, to back that kind of, the, kind of, the kind of lending which will be needed to do this. I thought it was a, it struck me as a kind of a, a, a sort of a Tory neo-brutalism um, because the, the, there were some things that were really slightly over the top. Um, I mean, amongst the really kind of quite, quite shocking OTT things, which um, I suppose we, possibly, possibly because we're used to a softer conservatism is uh, where, where the, you know, the, she slipped. He slipped in the lines about reducing benefits. Yeah. If uh, if if they don't comply with, if people don't comply with uh, employment offers, um, I mean that was just woof. That was gone amongst the amongst the flood of information. Also about strike legislation. Uh, I mean, I thought strike legislation was already pretty well curtailed. Um, and, it's, it's definitely uh, something at various points. Uh, different chances in the last ten years or so have gone after strike legislation for precisely that that reason so yeah to, to sort of be going even further um yeah i, I mean it, it, you might you, i mean one would argue that the the unions were were pretty well um you know uh, uh, castrated a long long time ago and 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 they 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 can't do much anyway so it's it's this is very interesting uh i think um and the other thing that, that struck me is Woof! The really um, OTT thing, again, as as James said, which has, you know, stuff stuff the political consequences is abolishing the the high tax rate. I mean, it's an extraordinary it's an extraordinary political um, gamble to take. And and the the politics of this, uh, James, it's one thing. If this were to lead to growth, then fine. But there was pretty good economic growth in 1997 and it didn't help the Tories particularly because politically the, the country had made up their minds about them. So, so going into an election just boasting about the figure for GDP it isn't great politics on its own if people have concluded, which, you know, we'll have to see how this pans out, but if people have concluded that you did it all by cutting taxes for the richest people. Well, I'm going to slightly disagree with you, Matt. I, I think 1997, the problem for the Tories was that Black Wednesday meant that people just didn't think the Tories had done it deliberately. That the, 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 the Tory reputation for economic competence had been had been so destroyed that the the the, the growth that followed Black Wednesday they just didn't get any credit for because that was clearly not the plan. But I think that the the, the problem you identify. Matt, is this is is what happens if there isn't growth? The kind of one Tory strategist who is sympathetic to what they're trying to do said to me that you know, but her argument on tax, which is even more true now than when this person said it to me earlier this week, given what they've done with the top rate of tax, is her argument is that a rising tide lifts all boats. Now, if the tide is rising, you might you might be able to win that argument. It, it's politically difficult, but it might be possible. As this person said, the problem is, what happens when the tide goes out? And that's the risk that they're running. And to, to continue the nautical theme, 
what you don't want is people in the small boats to be sinking while the big yacht goes uh, sailing by. You know, maybe yeah, I've, I've overextended that metaphor a bit too much. Um, uh, let's, uh, in terms of the politics as well, I was, one of the things that, I mean, aside from, you know, the big announcement on the money, one of the political things that really stood out was this moment where Kwasi Kwarteng tried to mount the sort of the new argument that this is a brand new government. Let's just take a listen. Mr. Speaker, we're at the beginning of a new era. And as we <laughs> contemplate, and as we contemplate, I mean, that's not great, is it, Melanie? When you're trying to make out that you are a brand new government with nothing to do with the lot that have come before and the House of Commons falls about in laughter. <laughs> and you're, you're a new era that only has 18 months to, to, to do anything, in, in, you know, to affect any change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose that's, it, they've pulled this trick off uh, several times, Melanie. You know, Theresa May managed to sort of draw a line under the David Cameron here. But Boris Johnson, with amazing effect, managed to do the same, presenting the, the Conservatives in 2019 as a brand new thing. Is it possible to do it again, to appear to be the agents of change again, do you think? Uh, I, you know, I, I, one, one would like to give them the chance, but I really don't think they have enough time to do it. And I... Yeah, I, I, for the sake of everybody, I hope it works. But I have my doubts. I really do. I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm inclined to think that if Labour gets half its act together, then um, you know everything's going to be all a bit uh, half cocked by the time the next election comes around, and uh, you know the, the 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 gap will be will be too big. And actually, I have to say, uh, James, I thought Rachel Reeves' uh, response to it was one of the best uh, economic, well, the best, best, probably one of the best speeches from a shadow chancellor for some time from the Labour Party, calling Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng two desperate gamblers chasing a losing run with an economic plan rewarding the already wealthy, uh, pointing out we've had six so-called plans for growth in the Conservatives since 2010, I mean, it was a pretty decent... They've got their sort of argument together, actually, in a way they haven't for a while. Yeah, and I thought her menu of outprices line is, is right. I good. think if, yeah, you were, yeah. if you were going to do this, I think, we're, oddly enough, um, having, you know, the for, you know, the lack of the forecast, I think you will find, you know, George Osborne didn't create the, the Office of Budget Responsibility because um, it, he was desperate to be held to account. It was because he kind of knew that this was all done anyway. I mean... He was all done anyway by the IFS. It just used to take 24 hours for it to come out. You know, when we all used to troop off to our offices in Hoban and eat sandwiches as we were kind of told about it all. But the, 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 so, and I think, I think Melanie is so right about the point about time, right? If there was a five-year parliament for this, right, you might have, it would be, it would be easier to be able to come at the end of it and say, look, we took these decisions. Not all of them were popular, but they have got the economy growing. The thing about supply side reform is, is it, is it takes time. Some of these changes will take legislation. That means, you know, that means that, you know, the chance of actually being in place before the next election to have a material effect is lower. And also, as Melanie said, that this other factor of this time thing is that, you know, if you're an international business, you're looking at the opinion polls in the UK and you think, oh, yeah, mate. but, you know, you think, well, I'm going to wait and find out what happens in the election because I don't, I don't think that, that Rachel Reeves and Keir Starmer are going to keep all these changes if they come in. So, so let, let's make the decision once we know what the result of that election is. I mean, that, that is another danger for them. And I think, the, I think the other question is, you know, 
the initial market reaction with the pound now below 111, gilts at 3.8, up considerably from where they were this morning. You know, all of these things, because it is such a, a I don't and I think even their supporters would say this, it, it is such a gamble, the reaction of the markets to it, I think will be watched particularly closely. Yeah, and I was just uh, I was just trying to look at that actually. The pound against the dollar down to well, it sort of picked up a little bit when uh, Quasi Quanta started speaking, and that has now started coming down again. One point one one seven five. I mean, that's that's basically we had it earlier this week, but it's still that's still worse than the thirty seven year low that we got earlier this week. And I suppose yeah. I don't totally understand it all, but it's, it seems to be a measure that everyone else is uh, is uh, is looking at. But anyway. just 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 to come in there on the the time thing. I mean the the. The bill, he's going to start a new bill to unpick planning, restriction, planning restrictions. I mean, how long will that take? <laughs> you know. And, and how many and then, times have we heard that before? That's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. And then you, know, you get the new bill through, then you've actually got to go into planning. Look, I mean, I've been trying to build a house for three years. You know, it's, are they imagining that in 18 months they're going to have these investment zones full of nice, shiny factories with nice houses on the back of them? All working away. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's a love. It's 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 fantasy stuff. I mean, you wish it could work, but it's there's not enough time. Melanie Reed and James Forsyth there, and of course you can read the both in the Times of your week. James on a Friday, Melanie on a Saturday in the Saturday magazine, and you can read my column in the Times on a Saturday as well. Just pick up a copy of the paper or subscribe. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, we crunch the numbers of the big fiscal event. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Yeah, the Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, has set out his fiscal event. As big as any budget. 30 measures, he says, to help households and businesses deal with higher energy bills, and showing us what Trussonomics is all about. Mr Speaker, we are at the beginning of a new era. And as we contemplate... And as we contemplate... That's right, that's right. A new era. A new era. 
a new era. And as we contemplate, and as we contemplate this new era, we recognise, we recognise, Mr. Speaker, that there is huge potential in our country. All the bonus cap did was to push up the basic salaries of bankers or drive activity outside Europe. It never capped. It never capped total remuneration. So let's not hear and uh, sit here and pretend otherwise. It didn't cap uh, uh, total remuneration. So as a consequence of this, Mr. Speaker, we are going to get rid of it. The increase in employer national insurance contributions and dividends tax will be cancelled. And the interim increase in the national insurance rate brought in for this tax year will also be cancelled. And this cap, this cut will take effect from the earliest possible moment, November the 6th. Reversing the levy delivers a tax cut for 28 million people, Mr. Speaker, worth on average £330 every year. Other European countries have minimum service levels to stop militant trade unions closing down transport networks during strikes. So we will do the same and we will go further. We will legislate to require unions to put pay offers to a member vote to ensure that strikes can only be called once negotiations have genuinely broken down. From April the 23rd, we will have a, high, a single higher rate of income tax of 40%. This will simplify the tax system and make Britain more competitive. It will reward enterprise and work. It will incentivise growth. It will benefit the whole economy and the whole country. Well, that was Kwasi Kwarteng. There's an awful lot to unpack there. Here's how Labour's Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves, responded. Can I thank the Chancellor on his comprehensive demolition of the record of the last 12 years? Their record, their failure, their vicious circle of stagnation. The Chancellor has confirmed that the costs of the energy price cap will be funded by borrowing, yeah, yeah, yeah. leaving the eye-watering windfall profits of the energy giants untaxed. Yeah. The oil and gas producers will be toasting the Chancellor in the boardrooms as we speak, while working people are left to pick up the bill. Borrowing higher than it needs to be, just as interest rates rise. Yeah, yeah. And yet the Chancellor refuses to allow independent economic forecasts to be published, which would show the impact of this borrowing on our public finances, on growth and on inflation. It is a budget without figures, a menu without prices. Speaker, what has the Chancellor got to hide? That was Labour's uh, Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves. Let's just take you through some of these numbers because they are big, big numbers. The energy price guarantee, that's uh, capping average household energy bills to £2,500, is going to cost £31 billion. The energy bill relief scheme, support for businesses for six months, as announced this week, costing £29 billion. Scrapping the uh, health and social care levy, by 2026-27, costing £18 billion. Uh, reversing uh, temporary increases in uh, the uh, national insurance rates uh, from November 2022, £15 billion. That's going to cost by 2026. Uh, removing that, scrapping the top rate of tax, the 45p rate of tax, is going to cost this year £2.3 billion. 
uh, goes up and down over the next couple of years, but still another two billion by 2026, 2027. Uh, increases in stamp duty, costing £1.6 billion a year. Uh, Tax-free shopping for foreign visitors, £2 billion a year. Uh, Cancelling the increase in corporation tax, keeping it at 90% by 2026. That's going to cost £18 billion a year. Uh, changes to investment allowances will cost a billion pounds a year. Uh, cancellation of, of clawing back on energy bills, a billion pounds a year. And it, it just goes on. Freezing all duties on alcohol for one year, costing uh, 600 million pounds a year. There's an awful lot there to... Uh, awful lot to... <laughs> The till's getting a lot of work on that. We'll look at the numbers in just a moment. What about the politics of all this? Stephen Swinford's The Times' is political editor and joins me now. Hi, Steve. Good morning, Matt. In terms of scale and ambition, this is more than we were expecting? It's absolutely massive, Matt. This is the biggest tax-cutting event since 1972. Um, it's an enormous political and fiscal gamble Basically, Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng are betting the house on getting the economy growing, but that is going to come at a cost. What has to happen as a consequence of that and alongside that is rising interest rates. So effectively, they're trying to speed up the economy, and that means that the Bank of England is going to have to compensate by raising interest rates more. So this coming year, it's not just a story about energy bills anymore. It's increasingly going to be a story about mortgage interest rates and people trying to hang on to their homes and the, the kind of end of this era of low interest rates. It's massive what we've seen today. And, I mean, lots of people are on fixed mortgages, but over the next year or so, uh, they'll come to an end and have to end up on higher um, uh, deals. There's a risk, therefore, isn't there? It's one thing the government's saying, well, we've taken a penny off income tax. But if you're seeing all of that money going out the door on other higher costs, you know, energy bills are still higher than they were a year ago. Uh, you know, if your mortgage bills start going up, whether or not, you know, that great um, question, you know, do you feel better off? by the time of the next election. That's going to be a very hard sell, isn't it? It's going to be a really hard sell. And this is politically divisive on two levels, right? The, the Between Labour and the Tories, there is now kind of clear space there. There is a massive gap between their two approaches. Labour will accuse the Tories of bringing in tax cuts for the rich and tax cuts for corporations. Both are technically accurate and correct at a time of a cost of living crisis. And then equally, you in, within the Conservative Party itself, there's divide. We've just seen several former Tory ministers and supporters of Rishi Sunak stand up and raise concerns that British public confidence in the economy could evaporate and that they're, they're, they're concerned that this will effectively bake in inflation. So all of those really deep wounds that we felt during the Tory leadership contest, they've got a lot deeper today because this is much bigger than anyone anticipated. So you're going to have enormous political conflicts, both between the Tories and Labour, but also within the Conservative Party. And it's going to be a very, very bloody um, rocky ride ahead, I think. Um, you've been keeping an eye on what was happening in the House of Commons as well. What was the mood on the back benches? I don't think Richie Sunak or Boris Johnson were there, so we've obviously not heard from them. But what what was your sense? Because, you know, we need to remember that Liz Truss only had barely a third of Tory MPs back to, uh, to be leader. Um, she's, uh, you know, she yes, she won amongst Tory party members, but she doesn't really have a mandate for this, does she? That's right, yeah, exactly. That's the point that people are making to me, Matt. The, 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 it was relatively subdued on the backbenches, actually, and there was an audible kind of intake, a gasp, when the uh, scrapping of the additional rate, the 45p rate of income tax, was announced. But people are saying, both actually some people who are trust supporters are saying, 
we didn't vote for this. There was no election for, for this specific policy agenda. We didn't vote for the enormous energy package bailout, although we see it as necessary. And we certainly didn't vote for this kind of uh, cutting the, the, the higher, the additional rate of income tax. So it, it's difficult and it's going to create problems. And, and that question of where is your mandate for this, Liz Truss, is going to come round and round again. But it is true to her ideology. These are the things that Liz Truss has always talked about publicly um, in repeated positions as a minister. These are the kind of tax cuts that she's in, in countless interviews in her time. I remember as Chief Secretary for Treasury, she used to talk about these things, stamp duty, income tax, corporation tax, the other ways. And I guess it's a very pure uh, incarnation of, of her agenda. So she is literally doing what she's talked about for years. Um, but people are going to be upset about that. They're going to say that this was not something you mentioned during that leadership campaign, and it's not something that anyone has actually voted for. Is there a risk, because some of this will have to go through in, in legislation, it'll have to go through the House of Lords. This, this, it's a slight sort of constitutional uh, nerdery now, but um, the House of Lords can block, or, you know, by convention, they can keep knocking it back. If it, and the only way that the, the Commons... Uh, the government can force it through is to, if it's in the manifesto. Well, none of this is in the manifesto. None of this is in the manifesto. And you're right, so the Lords is a problem, but the Commons is a problem. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of big beasts there now, Matt, on, on the back benches, all of whom are keeping their powder dry at the moment. But I suspect as we get closer to winter, you're going to see some high-profile interventions. I can't imagine Michael Gove staying quiet for long. I can't imagine Boris Johnson staying quiet for long. You know, it's going to be a tricky period. And, and in number 10... They are, they are convinced this is a solution. They, they say this is what we've got to do to get the economy growing and to get it moving. The problem they've got is a lot of people in their party do not agree with them. Um, a colleague, uh, Patrick McGuire, dropped me a message earlier on pointing out he was looking back at uh, when he was doing the sort of analysis of the 2021 budget, only last year. And at that point, it was, basic, it was being described as a Labour budget by any other name. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, Richie Sunak had sort of dragged the, the and Boris Johnson at that point was sort of dragging the Conservative Party so far to the left that the Labour Party couldn't really find fault with it. I mean, a lot's changed in that time. A lot's changed. And we've gone from a, a kind of that period of the pandemic where the dividing lines between Labour and the Tories actually got very blurred because of the enormous packages of state support. You've got now Liz Truss, who, in fairness, is also embarking on a massive package of state support on energy bills. You mentioned the cost of that in one of the many kachings you were ringing out earlier, Matt. But then you've got this very, very kind of late Thatcherite tax-cutting agenda um, and very purist. And that, that, that headline announcement, this scrapping of the 45p rate, that is going to become hugely politically contentious. Now, the 45p rate is paid by people who earn over £150,000 a year. There are around 600,000 of those people. And the Treasury is saying that the average benefit to those individuals is £10,000 each. Now, it's worth remembering that's an average because, of course, the more you earn, the more, the more you get back from that as a tax cut. Now, they argue that this is going to help. It's going to benefit in the long term. It's going to lead to more investment, more people, you know, highly paid people living here, spending their money here, investing here. But I imagine Labour will be making the very opposite case that it's uh, completely inappropriate at a time of a cost of living crisis. So, yes, it is. This trust said she was prepared to be an unpopular prime minister. I can imagine some of these measures will be very unpopular with the public. Yeah, and she wasn't uh, doing particularly well in the polls before. Uh, Steve Swinford, really good to speak to you. Please go to The Times. Uh, joining us live uh, from Westminster, where everyone is digesting that fiscal event, the statement by uh, Kwasi Kwarteng. 
Uh, interestingly, lots of the reaction we're getting in. CBI, Federation of Small Business, quite positive from a business perspective. It's the political reaction, uh, which is uh, which is more negative. And I suppose that's the uh, that's the gamble the government uh, is making. Right. What we thought we'd do now is try and get uh, some people who who understand all of this and get their two minute takeaways. What they think was uh, interesting, overwhelming, underwhelming, the big ideas uh, contained in Kwasi Kwarteng's uh, fiscal statement. The uh, biggest tax cut, cutting budget announcement since 1972. Uh, let's kick off with uh, Mark Littlewood, Director of the Institute of Economic Affairs. Hi, Mark. Hi, Matt. Good to be with you. Nice to have you with us. Right, your two-minute takeaway starts now. First big thing to say about it, this was mercifully short. I think the Chancellor was only on his feet for about half an hour. Amazing what you can pack into half an hour if you've actually got a strategy rather than just a list of lots of fiddly expensive state spending projects. There were none of that. Half an hour able to deliver a, a really bold strategy, impressed with that. This was a mini budget in terms of time, but a maximum budget when it actually came to uh, some strategic thinking. Also, I would say within that half an hour, nearly all of this was about trying to get the government out of the way. The new trust Kwarteng strategy is that big government, higher taxes, more regulation has led us to this rather parlous state of affairs, not entirely down to British government policy, but that certainly hasn't helped. A completely new trajectory has been set in barely 30 minutes. Uh, I'm extremely encouraged by what I've heard. We are finally going to get off the pathway of the tax burden going up to its highest for 70 years. And I'm delighted that we've actually got sound economic thinking rather than performative politics in a range of our taxes. This 45p rate was all about political positioning and sending signals and showing who you care about. The cap on bankers' bonuses, utterly ludicrous, didn't do anything to lower bankers' remuneration. So I'm delighted we've got a government that's willing to actually serve out some economic medicine and seems somewhat unconcerned whether the medicine's unpopular, just want to be very sure it's actually going to make the patient better. So we know now how to judge this government. Will we get back to long-term growth rates of 2.5%? Certainly no time in the next few weeks or possibly months but uh, quite possibly within the next year. They're certainly going for it, hell for leather. Much more exciting budget than we've heard for 15, 20 years. Uh, liked a lot of it. Very good, Mark. Very funny. Uh, Mark's out of 10? Uh, nine. Very good. Mark Littlewood there for the Institute of Economic Affairs. Coming in, he's getting... He's got I should get it in in under two minutes, uh, Mark's uh, two-minute takeaway. Right, let's go now to uh, the Institute of Directors. Kitty Usher is the chief economist there. Hi, Kitty. Hi, Matt. Former Treasury Minister as well. Right, OK, Kitty, your two-minute starts now. Thank you for the opportunity to take your two-minute challenge. So we represent uh, small and medium-sized businesses across the UK, the growth engine of the economy. And there is so much to welcome in this budget, particularly the commitment to boost entrepreneurship, to unleash the power of the private sector. So we're saying it's we're saying it's a good news day for British business. And particularly given that confidence is so low, economic uncertainty is so low, it's great to have a government really committed to going for growth. And if you take it together with the energy bills relief scheme for business that was also recently announced, it is undoubtedly going to make it easier for firms trying to navigate a really challenging economic uh, environment ahead. So on the detail, we are thrilled with the decision to reverse employers' national insurance. We've been campaigning against this for over a year since it was uh, announced. 
We're also obviously supportive of the decision to cancel the uh, planned rise in corporation tax. Getting into even more detail, great news to simplify the IR35 rules that any of your listeners who are self-employed will be very aware of. Keep the annual investment allowance to encourage capital investment for smaller firms at its high level of a million uh, and uh, support entrepreneurship and streamline the planning process for infrastructure. Really interesting idea, finally, on investment zones, uh, which if it's targeted at those parts of the country that find it really difficult to get businesses to locate with a lower tax regime, that could help with levelling up as well. However, very worrying that they hadn't asked the Office of Budget Responsibility to take to make their usual independent assessment of whether we can afford this. It's very easy to spend money, but what business wants to know is that it's credible and sustainable in the longer term. There, exactly. There on. we are. Very good. Bang on. Very good. You can get a job on, on uh, Times Radio with that sort of timekeeping. Kitty, I look Kitty, forward to the offer. Really good to see uh, speech of Kitty Usher, Chief Economist at the Institute of Directors. Uh, now, we've already heard from uh, the head of the Institute of Fiscal Studies, Paul Johnson, saying it's the biggest uh, budget giveaway for 50 years. Ben Zaranko is a senior research uh, economist at the IFS. Hi, Ben. Hello. So, yeah, you've been crunching the numbers on all of this. Your two-minute takeaway starts now. Off you go, Ben. The big picture here is that this is an enormous change of direction and biggest package of tax cuts in 50 years and a massive break with what the policy was even just a few short months ago. Um, I'm going to talk about two particular concerns and challenges I think that today's budget raises. One is for the public finances. As we've just said, there have been no accompanying OBR forecasts. We've had no independent costings, no independent government forecasts for what's going to happen to the economy or the government's finances as a result of this. Even once the enormous energy price guarantee has expired, we're looking at a borrowing of more than £100 billion every year, something like £70 billion more than was expected back in March. The government's effectively gambling on growth and saying, if that means more borrowing, so be it. If that growth doesn't materialise, as most independent forecasters think is likely, the government finances are going to be in a tricky position and it's every chance that the markets will take a look and not like what they see. The second big picture challenge here is that the government, in terms of the Treasury and the Bank of England, are pulling in opposite directions. The bank is trying to tighten monetary policy, trying to reduce demand, trying to squeeze inflation out of the economy. But at the same time, the government's saying hell for leather, let's go for growth. The Chancellor talking about injecting 19 billion back into the economy via corporation tax cuts. So there's a danger that what the government does is inject demand and the Bank of England simply raise interest rates by more in order to offset it. And the government doesn't get what it's hoping to achieve. And I think that tension between fiscal and monetary policy makers in the months to come could be a defining feature and could be something that um, undermines the coherence of UK economic strategy and means that some of the government's gambles don't pay off. There's some positive signs that they're willing to do things that might be unpopular in the short term that could have long-term growth benefits. Let's hope that feeds through to things like tax reform, how we tax property, planning reform, getting through infrastructure projects that have long-term benefits. But ultimately, if it's a big gamble, may not pay off. Let's all hope that it does. Ben Zaranko from the Institute of Fiscal Studies. Thank you very much for that. Lots of, uh, lots of food for thought there. And uh, then uh, finally... Uh, we've got uh, from the Resolution Foundation, James Smith, the research director of the Resolution Foundation, uh, has just sent us this. 
Today we heard details of the long-awaited mini-budget from Kwasi Kwarteng unveiling the economic strategy for the new government. This was a fiscal event without fiscal forecasts from the OBR and it was not hard to see why that was the case once we got details of 45 billion package of tax cuts announced today. That's the single biggest set of tax cuts since Anthony Barber's ill-fated 1972 budget. All in all, we're seeing a huge rise in borrowing when combined with the energy price support and the deterioration in the economy. So we're looking at something like 400 billion in extra borrowing. The other striking feature of the announcements today was just how much of the tax support was going to those on higher incomes. So all this will provide some boost to the economy in the coming months, but they will also mean higher interest rates in future, and only time will tell if what we actually get is higher growth. Yeah, Paddy cheated. He came in in just under just over a minute. Uh, well done, though. That was uh, James Smith, Research Director of the Resolution uh, Foundation. Hopefully some of that has helped uh, as you pick your way through all of this. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.